You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 13. Yeah, we kind of got a full episode on our plate this uh, this podcast. But we'll start it off how we only started it off. How, uh, how have you been running, man? I've been running pretty good. But I guess let's first say, uh, so when you're hearing this, Clint will be in Vegas. He meant that he went the extra mile this week and drove down here an extra time so we would keep our streak alive of having a podcast every week so yeah i'm real excited to uh be going to vegas i did go every summer and then covid like everything else screwed that up i mean don't get me wrong covid was way worse than me just not getting to go on vacation (laughs) but i mean nonetheless i still didn't miss vegas i missed the vacation so i'm glad that life is getting back to more to more normal and i'm really looking forward to this vegas trip Right, I was just saying. So whenever you're hearing this, Clint will be on the felt in Vegas. But other than that, this week been running pretty good, actually really good. That's uh that's really good. Uh, what uh do you have any like how uh your you want to go by the sessions or hands or how do you want to go? I guess I'll just tell you. So I guess I've had a few. I think I've had about four sessions. Nothing gigantic. Just you know one one buy in, one and a half buy ins. But I mean, you string three or four of those together; it's a pretty good week. Oh, those small wins make up a huge portion. I mean, you're not you're not gonna get go uh, four and five buy-ins every time for a win. So, I mean, hey, half a buy-in, a buy-in, a buy-in and a half—that's gonna probably make the majority of what your bankroll is gonna be made of, actually. All right. So I have some pretty interesting hands for you, and you actually haven't heard any of these hands at all. I've texted them to you, but you decided you're gonna wait and hear them live. Uh, yeah, I wanted your I wanted the reaction to be just completely authentic. <laughs> All right. So I'm at 52 and I I was already short stack cuz I was just I was getting pretty decent starting hands but completely missing. And um, you know, next thing I knew I was down. So I was I was down to about 300 bucks. And what do you buy in for? 500. Okay. So then I was like, well, I'll just add on now because the table's pretty deep and I really haven't done anything. So I just happen to add on right now, right? Okay. And um, I get where there's a lady there who was playing very aggressive. She was getting just premiums, but she was betting gigantic, right? And um, so I get ace three of spades and I limp it because, uh, oh no, sorry. I limp, she raises to 25. She's on my left. Okay, she's on your left, raises to 25. Yep, so then it folds all the way around back to me. I call, because I limp with the intention of calling her raise. Okay. And we're both pretty deep. The So, 50 in the middle, right? The flop the comes three of hearts, three of diamonds, nine of hearts. Oh, God, what a dream flop for you. It gets better. She leads out for 100. Okay, I'm assuming I haven't heard anything about how you played this hand. I'm assuming you just made a call here because this is pretty dry board. Well, there was a flush draw, but that didn't make any sense. I was thinking, um, honestly, I was thinking over a pair. Okay. 
I put in the raise to 300. Mm-hmm. She snap jams all in. Okay, and I mean, you obviously call. Snap call. And she obviously has to overpair. Pocket kings. Okay, very nice. So that, I mean, that basically made the session right there. Yeah, I mean, when you flop trips to someone's pocket pair, I mean, 100%. What do you think about how she was playing that hand? Because she played a few hands like that, and someone had told her she shouldn't play them that way, betting so aggressively. Well, I mean, I definitely like the raise pre-flop. Right, so of course she has to raise pre-flop, but I'm talking about more whenever she's betting so much post-flop. How much was she betting on the flop? Right, so it was 50 in the pot, and she bet 2x pot 100. Oh, my God. Uh, well, I don't like this because it makes it super easy to play against you. Right, that was kind of my thing because I was like, she had played a few hands like this. And when you play that way, you just make it so easy for your opponent to play correct. You force them to play correct. And when you overbet the pot 2x... You're only getting called by, well, I guess you could have got called by queens, jacks, tens, nines, and a three, and aces. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're losing a ton of value when you're raising that big because there's just a lot of junk that's being folded. So, I mean, that's kind of a very scared bet to, like, they just want to take it down on the flop, and they don't really know how to play multiple streets. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's way, way too much. Like you say, it just it forces the player that you're playing against to play so correct. Right, because like I said, she had played that way before. And, I mean, when you flop, literally, I mean, even if I had a flush draw, I'm folding there. You know, but... Now, okay, there is an argument, I think, for, like, a lot of people. Like, okay, GTOs, I think, have gone, uh, gotten it to this direction where people bet kind of small. And we talk about down betting a lot and everything like that. And then you'll go like half pot size bets. But if you remember when we started playing together, I'd bet around pot pretty consistently. And I will say there might be a theory for a lot of people not folding any hands in Texas. I think you probably can bet maybe closer to pot than most people do. Uh, in theory, it's still making your, play, your the players against you play very correct. But, I mean, if you notice certain players are just not folding any of their hands anyways, you could probably size up a little bit, but that's way too much. Right, and on that flop, on the 3-3-9, three, three, uh, two hearts, I definitely like, I, that is a board I would size up on with kings there. Not 2x pot, but probably pot, or around pot, maybe just unders, and what would I like to do? Yeah, I mean, when you have ace-3, and you I mean you flop trips to her overpair, she's probably, with y'all stack sizes... I assume no matter what, she's actually probably going to get stacked here. But, yeah, that doesn't help things. Oh, yeah, no, I think, you know, like you like you always say, it's just how much are you going to lose in that type of hand. Right. Uh, so, okay, well, that's a that was a pretty good one. So that's kind of the hand defining, the, the, the kind of define that session. Right, and then I ended up cashing out for just over a buy-in profit. So that was nice. Um, but here's a hand for you that I wanted to see what you thought about this. Um, I'm under the gun, kind of a loose open, but I opened $15 with Queen Jack suited. I think I like this. And I get four callers. Okay. 
so um, five ways of the flop. The flop comes king, deuce, five, three um, diamonds. I have one diamond. I mean, I know I would check here, definitely. I checked. It checks around. I turn a queen of spades. So now I have a pair and a flush draw. Okay. So I was like, well, I can bet. So I figured I bet 30, and um, I got one caller. And um, the river is an offsuit seven, seven of clubs. Um. Sorry, the $30 got it heads up with the big blind, so I'm under the gun, so I'm in position versus this guy going to the river. Okay. Um, the river is the offsuit seven, seven of clubs. He leads out $45. Okay, so what I'm thinking, a hands that you beat here would be the single ace of diamonds. Right. Uh, oh... That's pretty much it that I can think of. Yes. So, I mean, how many ace of diamonds do you have? How many kings? What do you value bet a king? This is kind of a weird, tricky spot. So, I mean, I find it hard to believe he would check a king on the flop and then somehow try to find value on the river. Well, I could see him checking on the flop because I was the pre-flop raiser. He's in the big blind. So I could see him checking uh, it to me from that, there, which made sense to me. That's true. That's a good point. So I guess I'll just tell you what happened. <laughs> I ended up putting the call in, and he turns over ace-10 with the 10 of diamonds. Ace-10 with a 10 of diamonds? So ace-high. Okay, so he was so he called with a gutter ball and a very light flush draw. Yes. And then tried to put the bluff in on the river. I think that was a good call. Yeah. He got mad and and racked up and left. I mean, I don't know why he'd get mad. I mean, he he called. I mean, he called with a very light draw and then missed and bet when it made no when he didn't have a lot of hands that made sense and got called. I, I'm people people throw me, man. Well, and I don't think I'm sure it wasn't an angle, but this is kind of strange. I threw my hand down because he's like was shaking his head like he had nothing, you know. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll just show my hand. So I dr I put my hand um, right in front of me, but where he's on my right, and then he throws his cards on top of mine. I mean, if you've shown down, I, I... no, no, I mean it was almost instant. I throw my cards down. He throws his cards down on top of mine. Did he throw your cards down? His cards down face up. Yes, face up. It's kind of. But weird. no one's seen our hands yet. I quickly put my two fingers on mine and pulled mine out. But I thought that was very strange. That's super strange, too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, until it, since he didn't argue like randomly, like it was, hey, those aren't my cards or whatever, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't an angle. It's weird, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he does something more than that. Uh,. But yeah, I don't. I mean, that's a that's a good call on the river. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know what he feels like he's representing here, because all the big hands. What about the flop on with diamonds? Uh, I mean, the only thing he could ever be representing is maybe a king. Yeah, and he had um, when I say he got mad and left, he actually had made quads earlier and had a gigantic double up. So I think he was just ready to leave. 
Okay. Yeah. So I think he threw that 45 bucks and I called. Seemed like a great time to leave with a gigantic stack and, you know, time to cash out kind of thing. Oh, that's fair enough. I mean, you if you hit big and, I mean, you lose a little bit and you don't want to lose, you know, you don't want to lose the rest of it, Yeah, I mean, yeah, then get up and cash out. I mean, you got to think, like, me and you talk about this all the time. The the poker's not made up of the winning players or the whales. It's made up of the people who like to play and only win sometimes. So, I mean, if a player who's not winning a ton has a guaranteed win and wants to walk out, I mean, I think you shouldn't win to leave directly after a big hand. But, you know, you if it's been 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and you lose a, a small hand... Get up and walk out. I mean, protect your winnings. I don't have a problem with that. Oh, me neither. I was just saying it looked like kind of one of those things like he was kind of looking for a reason to go. Yeah, and that just provided the extra little oomph. Exactly. And also how I used to look at it too was whenever I'd be up like that is, you know, before I was um, profitable, when I was, you know, losing most of the time, um, you know, I would look at what he what he accumulated. I would consider four more times I could play, four more buy-ins. Yeah, exactly, and that's a good way for people to look at it. Uh, it's there's nothing wrong with that, actually. Right. So I mean, you know, he leaves that day, and now he can play four more times. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that was a good call. Well, well played by you to make that call. It's not a that's not a super easy call. Uh, so that's in like a like I say, I'm, that's a good one. Is that was that in that same session? No, these are two different sessions. So that was an early hand. Um, in this last session, I have one more pretty interesting hand from that session. Okay. I'd also, someone else tried to bluff me after I made that call when I had two pair. This is not the hand. I was just quick kind of summary of it. Um, I had, I river two pair and it brought in like the backdoor flush and someone tried representing it. So I just picked that off pretty quick. Um, and then, uh, so this is the interesting hand though. I'm on the button. The, Everyone folds. It goes to the two guys to my right. Limp, limp, right? Okay. So I still have the small blind and the big blind act because I wasn't a button straddle or anything. Right. So I make it um, 20. The small blind and the big blind fold. The two guys to my right both call. Right? Okay. Um, the flop comes king, 10, 7, rainbow. King ten seven right. What what did you say you had? King queen. King queen. Okay. In a limp pot, so I'm assuming I'm pretty much good here. Very much so. The first guy checks. The second guy leads out for twenty bucks. Hmm. What do you do here? It's a rainbow board. You have top pair with pretty decent kicker. I don't know. I think you could probably... You could never fold here, uh, so it's only ever calling or raising. It's such a weird line by that person. Uh, I'm probably going to go ahead and call. I don't need to get weaker kings out of there. I just... I mean, I'm not trying to fold them out or the weaker hands. So I think when you when I raise, it might kind of force that person to play correct, all their monsters they're calling with. Uh, and a lot of hands that I have beaten pretty badly are folding. So I think I call. I think there might there's some validity to a raise, but I think I call in this situation. So 
normally I would call, but given the dynamic of limp, limp, check, check, um, sorry, limp, limp, raise, call, call, and then check, bet, I put in the raise because that was one of the guys who I had picked off that two pair whenever he's trying to represent. So I kind of thought he might have been up to something. Okay. So I put the raise into 65. I also kind of want to get that other guy out of the hand. Okay. I, mean, I can see that. But here's where the hand kind of takes a turn. He flats behind me. Ooh. Ooh was right. That's the one I'm actually a little, maybe a little more scared of actually now. Right. So he flats. The original razor folds. Because that seems like someone who might have wanted, wanted to check raise. But, I mean, your action is so strong raising, uh, raising there. Ugh, that that would scare me right there is that guy flatting flatting your uh, re-raise and I'm pretty deep right now because I've been winning so I was you know well and this is and here's the other problem is this is it's a rainbow so there's not a draw heavy board at all right there's no straight draws there's no flush draws so I mean when we when we see this guy f especially check flatting ugh, there's just not that much here that he can't He's got to have something fairly strong, I think. So the original Razor folds out, heads up. And I'm on the button, so I already know he's going to check to me on the turn. I'm going to check it through. I'm going to get to see the free river, and then I'll get to decide what to do then, right? That's my plan going into it. That would definitely be your hope, yeah. So the turn brings a three of clubs, which now has a, you know, a flush draw, but not putting him on random flush draw. Definitely not. So... It's pretty much a, right as blank as it can get, as blank as it can be, because it's uh, king ten seven three with two clubs. Okay. I'm expecting him to check. He bets one eighty five. I think I might have to fold here. Right. So I'm sitting there thinking and thinking. And I told him, I said, "Well, I guess ace king's no good here." So I folded, and um, he showed pocket aces. Oh, man. Wow, what a good fold by you, and weirdly played by him, but, uh, like, got some decent value. I, I, I think it's a weird way to play pocket aces, but I don't know. I'm seeing all kinds of weird shit with pocket aces anymore. Uh, good fold on that turn, because I, I kind of would thought fold, but, like, we already talked about this, saying fold and outside of it and saying fold in the hand is a different story. So that's a hell of a good fold. And just think, I mean, I guess he probably, if I didn't put in the raise um, on the flop and just called and then he called behind and then he let out on the turn, that would have been super suspicious. Then I probably would have uh, made a call. Obviously it wouldn't have been 185 because that would have been gigantic if I would have flatted. But, um, I could have put him on, like, turn club out, maybe. Oh, I mean, if you don't raise that flop. Well, we got there's a couple things. Like, we don't know if he would have uh, check raised or if he would have just called. Because, okay, obviously, you're, we are never folding there. So, let's say you call. I mean, I got to assume that guy check raises at that point. But I would have thought he would have three bet pre-flop, too. Right. So... I don't know. It's once he check raises, I'm mean, obviously you're pretty suspicious, just like you would be here. If he just flats behind you, you're in a weird, weird spot. 
Right. But those are the three pretty notable hands, and that led to um, five profitable sessions between Monday to Wednesday. So. Oh, very nice. That's always a good a good deal. Uh, I ran pretty decent this week. It's uh. Oh my! Three sessions. I counted last week. I forgot what we record what day we record on. So three sessions. I was wondering how you got five yeah. sessions out there. Uh, the uh, so I went to Paramount uh, right before work on Saturday. Uh, did not. Uh, it went okay for me, but I've had a habit of running kings into aces lately. So I just get the table. This is my first hand at the table. I get pocket kings. <laughs> I raise. Someone goes all in. Paramount. Like, in the, the stacks are pretty short. So, this is one two, correct? One two. And how much did you buy him for? Mm, I think 300. Okay, and then, so you raise, he goes all in. How much did he go in for, approximately? For, like, 95. Oh, okay. Uh, then there's a call, exactly for 95. Uh, there, another all in, exactly for 95. Uh, then to my exact right, he, another guy calls, but he's got a way bigger stack. I re-raise all in. The guy to my right folds. I'm like, okay, that's great. A free $95 in the pot. And I've got kings, most likely the best hand here. And then was definitely the best hand when I flop a king. And turn and then river and ace. Nothing to be scared of for the most part. And the guy flips over pocket aces. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. Uh, so kings fall to aces. Uh, I do have a couple winning winning hands, nothing big. I end up with a $28 profit at Paramount. Uh, then I go to College Station and have several. So this is at Central Texas Poker. The... Uh, they're all all the rooms are newer, so I don't even know how to describe them. <laughs> One of the newer rooms, I guess. So they have a little free roll on Monday, a three hundred dollar guarantee. And I'm like, I don't really do these anymore. There's not a lot of tournaments around College Station. Uh, it's mostly cash, and for the most part, I just don't play tournaments that much. But as you know, Mondays are our kind of our first day off of the week. I was like, man, this would be a stress free, just kind of enjoyable kind of how like we said talked about the free roll you did last wednesday on the last podcast i would like to say that probably motivated you to do the one monday right uh, you know what kind of a little bit <laughs> i mean i was like oh god just talking about how fun they were so i go and do this one i chop it for like 160 bucks each uh no super notable hands i i sucked out horribly but like that's tournaments uh how many ways did you chop it uh, four ways. Oh, okay. So I guess it, um, probably have quite a few players, right? Uh, there were two tables. Oh, that's pretty good. So, I mean, for that around there, that's actually pretty decent. Uh, so we do that, and then I buy in for 400 in cash. Have an interesting high-low hand where I flop ace-10 of diamonds for the nut flush draw. And I also have ace-deuce. For the nut low draw. I believe it was like 3-6 out there. So. The turn brings the. Uh, it's like a small bet. Small bet. A uh, small bet. Small call. And then I call. The. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I lied. I raised that flop. I was about to say. I don't think. Yeah, I was like, I was like, how in the world did I not re-raise? No, I raised that flop and two others called. Uh, I instantly hit the diamond on the turn for the nut flush. I bet. Get call another call. And then. No, I'm sorry. I'm just all over the place. I bet there is a call and a uh, there's a call and then an all in and then i call the all in the other guy folds and i'm like i got the nuts right now and the nut low draw and sure enough uh a low card comes to give me the nut nut i have the nut low and the nut flush the guy shows down it doesn't matter what he has because i mean i was thinking he might get a quarter of it with one of the obviously can't have the nut flush but maybe another ace deuce but and take that one down, which ended up being a very sizable pot. Nice. Get the week rolling. Yeah. Uh, I then have another gigantic hand where I have king seven of spades. I think I raised it. Yeah, I shouldn't be raising this, but uh, whatever. I want a big pot. I raised king seven <laughs> of spades. So there's a call call and flop an ace. the ace of spades is out there. The nut flush draw. Same two guys are on the hand with me again. I It's bet, call, call. I call. Instantly hit the spade. Another bet of 50. And another guy uh, calls 50. I just call. I, I'm really... I'm not scared of almost anything here. I mean, I actually have the nut spade. Uh, the only thing that can ever make me not the nuts is to pair the board. So I just call, hoping I don't really want to drive anybody out of this, and I'm just hoping the board does not pair. It does not pair. I have the nuts on the river. And again, leads out for 50, calls 50. I, the bet size is a little light on this pot, obviously, as it was the same on the flop turn and river. I bet 150, raise it to 150, and it's a snap call and then a fold, which becomes problematic because it means i did not play this hand very well because obviously i should have raised it way more than 150 here that's what i was thinking i was thinking how is it only 150 uh yeah i don't know i i I was i wanted to go for sure value and get a call so but i mean it was like literally like a snap call he also had a flush and i lost a ton of value not not going for more here (laughs) I guess that's kind of like what we were talking about last week, how I'll try to make the highlight reels. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but you'll chip and get the sure thing. I chip and got the sure thing, but this was this was a little bitch of a play. <laughs> I mean, this was really bad here. Uh, not going for more than three times. When it, the guy has shown enough strength to lead out three times is really, really just a horrible play. So that was a that was another one, but it ended up being a pretty big pot. So, not, I mean, I'd rather make a horrible play and win a decent pot than, you know, make a horrible play and lose a crap load. So, I guess <laughs> I, I have that going for me. Uh, then I have two, I think, more interesting spots. One is, okay, I have 9 10 of spades. I raise. It comes out queen 5 5. It's heads up. I see bet. One spade. I'm sorry, it's two spades, it's a flush draw. I raise C-bet, 
He calls. A nothing card comes on the turn. Not bringing me a straight draw or anything. I go to bet and then check. And my theory here was, I mean, if I have two spades in my hand that are kind of, that are close to Broadway cards, what is this guy calling me with that's not a queen? And do I really think a queen is going to fold here? So I check, he checks, and I'm like, ugh, a check behind, that's not a lot of strength. I break out on the river. I know I should bet here. I mean, this guy has shown not that much strength. I'm sitting with 10 high. Can't imagine a better time to place a bet. And then I wuss out, check, <laughs> and he checks down and wins with king high. He just called me with a king on the flop. <laughs> oh, to I mean, this was not my... For me winning, this was not my best session. Because uh, this, this is a very standard bluff on the river, right? <laughs> I mean, anytime... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a... you, hate to, you hate to have King High end up winning on the river without even putting an attempt in, but... Yeah, I was... This is, this is horrible. <laughs> so, that was uh, the deal. Okay, and this is another interesting one. I have Pocket Kings. Uh, he raises... Same guy. I'm in this with the same, the same with this guy every single hand. I, he raises, I three bet, he calls. Comes queen high, two spades. He checks, I bet, he calls. Uh, a spade comes on. It goes check, check. Another card comes connecting the board, and I think it's like th like four to a straight and uh, and just a ton of spades out there. Uh, I end up, he ends up betting 50. I know I cannot be good here. There's all the Broadway cards, all the two pairs, the flushes there, a straight, I mean, there's multiple straights that are there. But he ended up, it ended up being 50 into like, I think 200. And I do have an over pair. I end up making a crying call, and he shows pocket aces. Ooh, so you... Dodged a bullet, huh? Dodge a super big bullet. Because, I mean, if this guy four bets pre-flop, I can't get away from pocket kings. If he plays it tougher on there, I mean, he was kind of scared of the flush. Luckily, that flush card came on the turn, and he was a little bit too scared of that flush card. Because, I mean, you shouldn't be that scared of a flush card on a heads-up pot, right, really. So, I really lucked out. Because that could have been... We were both heavily stacked this easily could have been like a 700 dollars pot and easily should have been i really lucked out here jeez yeah so Man. that was uh my session like i say i i think i played decently but there were definitely a couple hands i'm either missed value on or got lucky on so it was overall overall a, a good session uh let's say but i mean that's where the variance comes in right i mean Sometimes you're going to play good and win. Sometimes you're going to play badly and win. Sometimes you'll play good and lose. Yeah, I mean, the variance will definitely come in. And I like to say, and just because you misplay a hand, you know, one hand in a session doesn't really make or break the session. I mean, you're going to be playing multiple hands. If you play five good and one bad, don't get me wrong, sometimes that one bad can make break the session. <laughs> but not always, at least. Well, I was going to say, at least... If you play the one hand bad and the way you played it bad is you missed a little bit of value on the river. 
that's, that's a good problem to have. That's true. That's a good problem to have. Uh, if you play that hand bad by calling an all in when you're behind, that's a bad way to <laughs> that, that 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 becomes bad. <laughs> so I guess that kind of you know that's how we were running this week. So, but this is kind of interesting. We actually just left the hideaway, Cyprus. Yeah, it was man. I tell you what, I was impressed. Well, the first thing I was thinking, did you see me when I was walking up or no? Mm, yeah, I think I saw you as you were walking up, but I mean, not the whole time. So. <laughs> well, like so when I was walking up in the parking lot, the place is so big. I was like, I don't even know where the front door is. Oh, I ran into that same <laughs> problem. I went to the other side. That's and I'm what... like, and then saw that there was no door over there. And yeah, it it's to the far right. And you would have thought it like more in the middle. Right, because I, I was like, I know everyone can see me walking up, and I'm like, looking around the corner, I'm like, where's the door? I was like, talk about getting open, oh, arms wide open to the table. You can't even find the door to the room? That's true, yeah, that's, uh, come have a seat. If you can't find a door, we, we're, we're feeling okay about you. Uh, yeah, no, I ran the same thing, though, when I went in there, is that it's, it does stretch so much. I kept looking for the door, and I was like, where, where is this damn thing? <laughs> But the first thing I was thinking whenever um, we went in there was that place is basically seems set to have big tournaments. Oh, I mean, they are so set. that It's got to be one of the biggest places. In, I mean, okay, I thought it was almost as big as 52 Social. You're at 52 Social all the time. 52 Social might be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. But outside of 52 Social, I think it's probably close to the biggest. Oh, yeah, other than, yeah, it's definitely number two. Yeah. I can't even think of. I guess Paramount might be close. Yeah. It's a, but it is, it's, considering the parking lot it's in, it just, it's big. It's got tons of tables, and you're right. I mean, it seems like a perfect place to host gigantic tournaments. Right, because you know they have Jeff Boski coming there, uh, I believe it's this week. Oh, that would be, that's going to be pretty awesome. I think it's next week, though. I think, I think I remember seeing I was going to be in Vegas. Oh, probably. I just saw it was on a Friday, Friday Saturday, so I was like, I'm definitely not working. So I'm, sorry. I'm definitely working. You are going to be this week. This is going to be reco- this is going to be released next week. Okay. okay. I am. I. You know what? You know, th- I'm obviously a great poker players. I can't get my days down. Uh. So yeah, Jeff Boski's coming, and I think that'll be huge. Uh. And they said they have. Mm, they had. I'm gonna say this. They didn't tell me I could release anything, any information, but they had several big names in the works that they were talking to, as far as vloggers go. Yeah, I'm sure it seems like all the vloggers are coming to Texas. Is what it seems like. Yeah. Uh. So give me the rundown. What did you like about it most? I like the sides. I like how they can have the big tournaments because nothing's worse than whenever you're. Um, well, I mean, I, we've definitely seen a few rooms coming to the issue of having a waiting list for the gigantic tournaments because there's no open seats. Right. I like that. I like how open it was. Um, you know, it's always tough to get a day game started. I mean, that's for any new room, though. Yeah. But the place did end up filling up. Um, it seemed nice. It was nice. It was open. Um, I like the size of it a ton. I mean, it's gi- It's very big. Uh, I like all the windows. I mean... Think about it, like, when you're in a poker room, like, whether it be Paramount, 52 Social, Prime, you're really just staring into the room. It was kind of interesting 
like it's located on Cyprus where there's like kind of a lot of trees and stuff like that where it was pretty is I liked I kind of liked having all the windows and just being able to look to the outside a little bit no I agree that was really cool um especially because me and you were at the same table and we were facing the uh the windows yeah it gives it a very kind of airy vibe because i remember thinking it was in cyprus i was like not that many gigantic venues i didn't think it would be that nice uh then we saw it in i think andrew vodine's video uh yes apollo um i think probably both but we definitely saw it in vodine's um videos which made us come out there yeah so uh i saw that and i was like oh god that that looks way nicer uh, so I'm pretty, I was pretty impressed with all of that. The chairs, the tables seem top notch. There's tons of TVs on the walls. Uh, I was, I mean, like I say, I was very, very impressed. I mean, the big thing is, is if they can get the action going that that room can handle is going to be the, the gigantic thing. But it's, I'll tell you what, the niceness of the room, it seems like they would be able to. And the one thing they have going for them that's pretty nice is there's not many rooms around there, correct? Yeah, location-wise, I mean, in Cyprus, there's no, there's really no competition. I guess the closest room on the north side would be Texas Card House. And, well, okay, and I guess Grinders is kind of around Cyprus. And what else? Uh, at Paramount. But in that distinct vicinity, all of those ones I named outside of maybe Grinders is pretty is actually pretty far away. Right, so I was thinking they had that going for them at least, which is nice. Yeah, so uh, I can't think of anything I didn't like about it. Like I say, it's gonna be it's gonna be very based on the action. Uh, the one thing I would notice, and I don't know if they're gonna do this, and like I say, it comes into play for certain people more than others. Uh, I didn't see that many game girls or anything. True, but I'm sure it's just because they're opening up, and we were, you know, they're pretty early, so. Yeah, so that's a. Uh, that was the only thing I would think that would pe- uh, people would say anything about. Uh, there's no bar in there, so I, if that's a big thing. But there's a bar right next door, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> right, and I guess they probably do end up needing a game girl or at least a brush because um, when that one older guy at our table wanted to add on, a player actually went up and got the chips for him. Well, a lot of those players were, I think, actual employees. They were kind of starting the game. So I'm not sure if was that a, was it actually a player or? Well, no, I'm sure it was one of the employees. I'm saying if they had a brush there, that would probably be beneficial, especially when they start, you know, getting two, three tables going. Yeah, well, and I th- I think that plays to it. I mean, here's the also the caveat for all the listeners: we were there at four o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> right. I mean, we're not there. We were not there during prime time. We were the ones getting the game started. So before I say about the game girls and all that. Probably need to be there during like a prime time hour, actually, too. Right, because we actually had the reason why you were down here was also to record this episode. So they the room was starting to get pretty crowded. They had a tournament going. I was pretty impressed by the crowd they were getting for that tournament for a very new room. I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised just because they're the only ones in that side of town. So if you want to play and you live over there, it's perfect. Oh yeah, uh, like I say. The location couldn't be any better. And I will say this, it's kind of nice. You're in Cyprus, which is a way kind of safer, nicer area. I mean, I've never had any issues on Westheimer or at Prime or or, uh, 52 Social. But 
you can feel it in the area that it is a little bit on the, you know, just a little bit better side. I'll tell you what, I don't want to break down leaving 52. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't really care to break down on a number of rooms in Houston, for that matter. Uh, this is probably, like, if you were going to come with, like, your wife and everything, or, like, you wanted, like, safety was a main concern, I mean... I would say this would be the one of the best poker rooms just from the feel of it. I can agree with that. It's uh so that's that was kind of the review on uh Hideaway, but like I say, very pleasant. I won't say pleasantly from what I first saw it on Poker Atlas, I would say pleasantly surprised. That was really good. Well, let's talk about some of the hands that we played there though. This is, you know, somewhat interesting at least. Oh yeah. Uh so I and so I have one when I'm sitting down and this it's a, I have ace three suited. We're playing pretty short-handed. I think it's like five or six. To me, ace three suited. I'm probably raising at a full table. I'm definitely raising this at a short-handed table. Uh, I'm out of position. I raise it to twenty and get a call. Uh, it comes nothing for me going for me. Uh, I've got I've got a backdoor spade draw. I choose to go ahead. I think there's a queen out there, though. I choose to... I'm sorry, there is a jack as a high card. I see bet and get a call. The turn is an interesting turn, which brings a spade flush draw for the nut flush draw and also a gutter ball to the five for the... uh, First straight. Yeah. So, I'm like, if I'm gonna barrel, this is this has got to be the best card in the world to barrel on. I mean, it's mandatory, right? Yeah. So, I bet pretty big, thinking this guy's probably almost always got a jack. But at this point, it kind of looks like I have aces, kings, and queens here. I bet pretty big, sixty-five dollars. He calls. I'm like, well, I'm gonna need to hit this river. <laughs> It is a beautiful five. Not a five of spades giving me the, the wheel. So, it's a... I have ace, two, three, four, five. He has no way to put this. I bet 200, knowing that nothing makes sense here. And he tanks forever and calls with queen jack uh, to my straight. So, really, really lucky turn in river. In which I just got this is actually the point where I think I did get max value because he was tanking for a long time, right? Because I mean everyone was talking about that hand um, before whenever I got there because I missed it. Everyone was telling me about it. Oh, he he was torn up about it. He 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 was talking about it. I think the whole time until the time we left. It seemed like <laughs> I was about to say they were talking about it up until this hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I believe, was I on the button? Uh, I believe so, yes. Um, so I have six deuce of diamonds. And we're playing about four to five-handed. And the guy to my right raises kind of big. And I was like, well, I'm in position against him. I, mean, I don't know. You got six deuce. I mean, you can't fold here. Right, and I'm suited. So... <laughs> Well, no, I don't know. It was it was kind of one of those things where it's like everyone was raising, and right. everyone just folding. It's kind of not that great for the game. And I was like, well, I mean, if I call, I mean, he only raised it twelve dollars. And I was like, well, I mean, 
I'll just give him some action just to see what happens kind of thing. Right. I flop six deuce on a six deuce nine flop. You luck, box fan. <laughs> um, so then, um, I believe he checked. I bet. I bet kind of big, though. And uh, he called. The turn paired the deuce, giving me deuces full of sixes. Um, I bet again, and he called. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, there's not many draws out there. And then a jack. Um, Jack hits the river. And he checks it. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, should I put him all in? He only has about 130 left. I start grabbing chips. I think he's getting ready to fold. I like, oh, I'll bet 75 instead of the full 100. And he snap calls it with Jack 9. Yeah. Well, he's, in, yeah. If you know he's got Jack 9, you're just going all in because there's no way he's ever getting a, getting a, you know, getting away from that. He, he can't put you on a deuce. Uh, he can't put you on trip deuces when when he raised pre-flop for the most part. So, he definitely can't put you on six deuce. He seemed baffled. So, he was never putting you on six deuce. Yeah, I feel like I left 20 bucks on the table, but that's you, all right. Yeah, I, I, uh, 20 bucks on the table, but man, it, take, it always feels good to take one down with six deuce, right? Yep, happens every day. It's not by me, but I'm sure it happens somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, six deuce is winning somewhere every day. Good good call. Man, they must have thought we were the two <laughs> biggest donkeys who sat down <laughs> whenever you went runner, runner straight. Then I boat with six deuce. Yeah, it was uh, definitely, we, we were definitely, we were definitely the biggest, we were definitely the most aggressive players, and we were hitting decently. So, uh, yeah, I, I, they probably did, but I'm okay with it. If I win, you can think whatever you want of me. <laughs> what do you think about this hand? That one older guy who was in the straddle from the button, I have 6-8 of diamonds. Um, he makes it 20 pre-flop, I call if I limit the 6, right? Okay. Heads up, the flop comes ace-king-6. Um, he checks it i check it to him he checks it through okay i the uh the turn brings an eight giving me two pair but now also giving a flush draw available okay i bet i bet small to like maybe 35 and he raises to 195 i mean i i remember him doing this and i was very baffled on this too because i mean he was not pulling this every single hand which becomes very problematic it's uh if somebody's but he didn't raise pre-flop which takes aces and kinks out of his range he did raise pre-flop oh did he raise pre-flop remember i limped the six and he bid 20 on top oh my bad i ooh yeah i did not realize that when you were when you were when this when you were playing this hand uh damn Okay. Oh, well, I know what you did, so go ahead and uh, let, let, go ahead and clue the listener in. <laughs> I told Clint, I'm probably going to get stacked in this hand, so I called. <laughs> <laughs> and then the river brings another eight, so I get eights full of sixes on a ace-king-six-eight-eight board. 
he checks it to me. Sorry, he was on the button. I did not want it to check through. I remember thinking that. Mm-hmm. I was also kind of thinking he might have Ace Eight for a uh, bigger boat. But then I was thinking he probably has Ace Queen. Is more what I was thinking. Okay. Is what he would probably do something like this with. So I went all in, which was, I guess, given the size of the pot, not that much. And he folds. So. Be curious to see what he folded there. It's. I mean, do you think he was just like making a move on you on the turn? Uh, everything that could re it was strong enough to re-raise on that turn seems way strong enough to call that river. I mean, because it's very hard to put you on an eight there. Right. I and I was also thinking on the drive over here to record. Should I have jammed that turn? I'm not even sure you should have called that turn. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you I, play six eight and you turn two pair. You have to at least see a river, right? I, when when you were playing this, I thought he had. I thought it was a limp pot, which takes aces out of the range, kings out of the range, and ace king out of the range. Now knowing that he <laughs> raised, and he did have pocket aces, pocket kings, and ace king, I'm not even convinced it's a call. I definitely don't think you should jab the turn. <laughs> well, I mean, I did tell you. I think I might get stacked this hand. You okay? You did tell me that. I remember that part of the hand. I did not re- remember him all. Uh, like the raising, because that, to me, that changes everything. I honestly don't know what he had that he could raise a turn and then fold the river with. He did not seem the type to raise a big draw, especially on the turn. Oh, I mean, that's why when I told you, I was thinking, this is getting super dicey. Yeah, I did not, yeah. Now knowing that it was a raise preflop, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I definitely do not think you raise, you, you go all in on the turn. Uh, anything that calls, I don't know, without knowing what he had beforehand, I, I'm just baffled completely. So, I guess well played, you took it down. Uh, but no, I think a call in the turn is perfectly fine. <laughs> Even that, meh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's perfectly fine if you're going to river the boat. So. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to river the boat, then you can either call or go all in. I'm, I'm good with both. So I'm definitely going to go check out the hideaway, though, again. Um, actually, probably during the prime time, not us trying to start the game. Because we just went there just because it worked out for our schedules. And the worst part is, man, I told you I wanted to play a tournament today. I was like, we could go play the Paramount one, but it wouldn't work out with the recording. And then we were like, well, we could play and then record. But then if we would have recorded them play, they had the freeze-out tournament going that would have been perfect for me. I was kind of like, that's such a bummer for me. Oh, yeah. I, if we hadn't had come to uh, come and record here, we would have definitely done that tournament, which sounds sounded pretty fun. I mean, it looked like they were getting a pretty big crowd, and they said they are going to have Late Ridge open until 9. Yeah, that's a... And I think that's just a really good deal. Like, okay, every place I've known that have done really well, like, tournaments do factor into it a little bit. Uh, Paramount... Uh, big tournament place, but also very busy, and with no poker atlas as well. The Lodge, busy as hell, have two tournaments a day. This is a place that can do a ton of tournaments, handle it, and still have tables for cash game. I think this place is set up to do really well. I mean, do you remember how last week we talked about how tournaments aren't that profitable for a lot of the locations? Right. The one benefit, or One of the benefits to the tournaments is it gets players in the door. Oh, I think, well, I think tournaments are great. Uh, 
I mean, if you are trying to play and grind just as a cash game grinder, then tournaments, I think, are are kind of tough. Uh, either they're so small that one is in the long run, you're making almost nothing. Because uh, let's say, okay, let's say a tournament like one of the small free rolls, you, you, you win it and you win 600 bucks. Or like the one I played last week. Exactly. Yeah. So how much did that pay out? Um, so I... I had to pay fifty five with all the add ons and the daily fee, and I, the payout for second was four hundred and eighty eighty. So let's say one out. So let's say you're gonna get first or second, and you're really gonna get four eighty or like seven hundred or something. Seven forty. Seven forty. Well, that was out of sixty three people. So obviously you're not gonna win this every single time. Definitely so, not. Are you teaming there more often? Exactly. So you're <laughs> looking at one out of. So let's go say. You're gonna win it one out of twenty times, one out of fifteen times, maybe. If you're getting super, running super good, uh, just in the long run, for the amount of hours played, you're not doing much. And not to mention, smaller tournaments are fairly high ranked. Now, my caveat is, most players are not profitable players. In tournaments, you get a ton more play for your money. So I think everybody should actually start out on tournaments and maybe just stay there if poker is just for fun and you want to just kind of go and have a good time chill you know want to get the feeling of winning here and there i think tournaments are perfectly a legit way of playing poker uh do i think they're the most profitable way i think it's hard to get the bankroll up for it to be high enough for them to be super profitable Right, I can agree. Oh, especially if you're talking about a newer player who can't afford to play cash, mm-hmm. logging the tournament hours is going to be where it's at for you, getting the live uh, practice and different scenarios. Um, I think that's, I can agree with that. And I also agree with how important the bankroll is and how massive it would be to do. Uh, what size would you think um, buy-in tournament would you, need to, would you need to be in for it to be profitable? I think we oh, had talked God. about this a little bit, right? Okay, I think the very least is four to five hundred, and that's kind of where you think the rake starts to. I mean, but I think at that point the rake is still very high and it's still very difficult. I think anything under it's almost impossible. Uh, but maybe four to five hundred, you can maybe make a uh, maybe make a run, but it's it'd be super difficult. Really, I think if you're being real honest, you're looking into eight hundred to a thousand to be a a full time like tournament pro type deal right i mean i don't know i like you and i both say we treat mostly all the tournaments as just a for fun thing yeah for us because again we just don't have the bankroll to do uh to do the higher higher end uh tournaments right which also is kind of interesting um when you go into vegas and stuff um but like you said this will be the first time you actually have a bankroll to support playing throughout your Vegas trip with no worries, hopefully. Yeah, because usually I'm just uh, kind of going out. Of, uh, before now, I was usually just going out of my checking account and being like, what I can afford to a spend, spend. This will be the first time I'm doing it with like the actual poker bankroll. And I tell you what, very freeing feeling because it'd, be it'd be super hard to run bad enough to go through my bankroll here. So, you know, it's a... Uh, but my checking account, when I only have, I'm like, ooh, can I afford this? Can I afford that? Can I afford that tournament over here or to pay in cash here? 
I mean, now if I lose five buy-ins in a row, don't get me wrong, not what I'm going for, <laughs> uh, but I would be, I can do that and be like, okay, no problem, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely not what we're shooting for, but it happens all. I mean, five buy-in downswing is very possible. I've done it before. You're, you're talking to somebody. If it's impossible, you're looking at somebody who's doing the impossible a couple times. <laughs> um, all right. So I guess here's my first question for you. So whenever we first met um, at work, you were tracking poker, right? And you were profitable whenever we you whenever we first met and you were tracking. But you didn't have a bankroll. Is that correct? Was that money not? Because that's kind of confusing to me because I know you were making money when we met. But you didn't have a bankroll. So the tracking wasn't for the bankroll at that point. Okay. Uh, when when I got married to my wife, uh, she comes from a family that, you know, they don't gamble for the most part. A uh, more conservative type family. And in turn, she's she has more conservative on a number of issues as well. Gambling being one of them. Uh, I knew at that point I was a winning player. And I started, I had tracked a little bit before I had lost what I had tracked. And I had redone it to track and, and show that while we were married, if she ever came back and, you know, well, you can't spend this on poker or something like that, I could go back and show every session that I'd ever played and be like, okay, this is not costing money, this is making money. Uh, this is when I thought shit like that mattered. <laughs> so, <laughs> I later learned in life that, like, she's convinced now that I'm a profitable player. But I will say this: I have got this. Uh, I have now four years of tracking that shows I'm a profitable player. If somebody is not equipped to think that gambling can ever be profitable, it does not matter what you show them on paper. They will always think that you're just on a hot streak for four years and getting lucky, and it's going to come crashing down. So uh, she believes it now, but I realize later in life that just it wasn't really that that flipped her uh, switch on seeing that like I thought it would be. Uh, just They just got to come to it on their own terms because... I've tried to use this theory on like multiple members of my family who think poker is not a great way of income. And tell you what, I've gotten nowhere fast. So, but that was the theory. That's why I was tracking and I didn't have a bankroll at the beginning. Okay, but my question to this though is, so when did you start building the bankroll um, to you know use that money to buy more and keep cycling it to a bigger bankroll? Was that whenever we first started tracking? Whenever you showed me the app and we started, you know, studying and looking over hands? I think so. I think when we kind of started talking about it was when I kind of had, like, started setting aside money for the bankroll. And then watching it just get eclipsed by life over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> My car engine went out. That There went the bankroll. And, I mean, was Mike Sexton said it best? There's really never a bankroll. Because if you need... If you're if in life, if you need money out of that poker bankroll, you have to use it. And if you ever go bust in your poker bankroll, you're gonna take it out of your uh, out of your checking to you know play poker or whatever. But 
at least it is separate set aside for just poker. I will say that. <laughs> right. You're definitely not going hungry. You're not paying rent whenever you have the money in your poker bankroll. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not eating ramen while, you know, going and playing the the 5'10 of Bellagio, so. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so here's something kind of um, interesting that once you start building that bankroll, how, how much of a relief is it whenever you take that bad beat and you don't have the emotional tie to that money like um, that now you can't play next week? Oh, God, it's it's night and day. I mean, not just for, like, being able to play better, which it does make you be able to play better, uh, but just from an enjoyment perspective, knowing that you don't have to be super stressed about every bad beat. Because I'll tell you what, when I didn't have a bankroll, you think I'm bad now? <laughs> I mean, literally, like, every time I lost out, I'm never playing poker again. <laughs> I'm just getting killed <laughs> so no it's a hundred percent most being able to play better and being enjoy able to enjoy it more I, I mean i can't express how big of a deal it is you haven't changed much but uh, <laughs> 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 no uh um, but here was the thing that because um i guess whenever you start first start playing poker I feel like it's a natural thing that like people around you assume that you're just taking that money out of your checking account every week when you're playing. Right. Yeah. I think that's, Oh, especially if people did not gamble, they a hundred percent, that is what they are thinking. Right. And I know for me personally, I just could not afford to play as often as I do for as much as I do with just money from work. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's a, if you're just taking out of your checking account and, Winning some here, but losing a lot there. Uh, you were a hundred percent. You are going to be out of money. I mean, we, me and you, we don't. I mean, we do okay, but we're not. We're not balling by any means. So yeah, it's going to get quick. Quick. Uh, where you're going to go broke fast. Right. I mean, you can't be. You know, losing six hundred dollars every few days. I mean, you just can't do it. So, yeah. but here's. So once people start to see that you're actually building that money up, right, and then once you take that bad beat, because. There was a point because I started tracking the bankroll whenever we uh, went and played in Colorado, but I didn't track Colorado. And I had, I think I had two buy-ins of $300 each whenever I started playing in Colorado. And then I ran that up pretty good to maybe 1200 probably. Something like that. Okay. And then um, just, I was like, all right, I'm going to start tracking now. Now that I have this money that I have a few buy-ins, right? immediately bust out two bullets <laughs> that's hurtful that is so hurtful when that happens at the start and i remember thinking like when i was driving to um prime i remember thinking like all right two buy-ins left it's all the money i have to play poker with obviously and i remember thinking like all right we're playing for the ability to play again <laughs> i mean that's a scary feeling it's amazing that me or you have not gone bust. Because you think about the times you were you were at probably like 600, like two buy-ins or less. 600, exactly. Yeah, uh, I've been there a couple times. I was there at the very beginning, and then I was there after I had to, you know, take my bankroll out for other stuff. I was back there again. And I tell you what, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying I, we would have never played poker again. But I feel like it would have been a psychological hurdle after having gone bust to try to tr keep trying again. 
Well, I mean, I definitely would have had to wait a while to accumulate another buy-in, you know, from work. Right. And then, I mean, and here's the thing. Part of you is like, well, this, I'm still now only at two buy-ins. The chances of going bust are very high. So, I mean, me and you really got, really hit the right side of variance at the right time for the things to go as well as they have. But, uh, let's say, I mean, if you play well, variance will always be on your side eventually. But we definitely needed it. Variance <laughs> to be on our side right then and there. <laughs> right, because I remember I ran up that two buy-ins, and I ended up having, like, I think it was either my biggest uh, streak in a row of either 10 or 11 winning sessions after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember, like, you, you just started killing it. And, I mean, to the point where, at least at our levels, you had way enough buy-ins. So, and then... Similar streak happened to me. Like I say, it's we've hit variance at, at the good at a good side of times for it to go as well. So thank the poker gods for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess before we end it, what are you gonna do in Vegas? Where are you going first? What's I mean? Because the big news is there's no no masks, correct, and definitely no plexiglass. No masks, no plexiglass. Uh, okay, so we know Planet Hollywood is closing their poker room. So on the 11th, I will be playing a ton there. I'm thinking they give away a ton of promotions, but even if they don't, I mean, just the fact that I have had a lot of good times in the Planet Hollywood Casino, and mostly in poker, uh, I just want to go and give it a final hurrah, because that's been a, it's not my favorite poker room by any means, but it is one of my favorites, so I hate to see it go. So I want to be there on the last day. I am definitely going to go to Circa World Resorts since that's the newest poker room uh, there. I've never been there. And strangely enough, for all the rooms I've been at, I have never been to, what is it, uh, Encore. And then I'm hoping to also do uh, Trooper Thursdays at Westgate. That'll be cool. I wonder if you end up on a vlog. I don't know. But I'm definitely, I definitely want to go, go there and see. It's like... He was one that I didn't like his vlogs at first because I was comparing them to Andrew Nimi, Brad Owen, and, you know, Jamin and all that. And you can't compare them. They're just different. I mean, his is not so much about the poker, but more life is like a kind of a grinder in Vegas, whereas the others are way about poker. But his have really grown on me, especially, like, the fact that he puts so many out. It's almost every single... I think he's done every single day for 62 days straight right now. Hmm. So uh, I definitely want to go ahead and, you know, say hi. Thanks for the content. And, you know, so, yeah, uh, the, got a lot of plans. So I'm definitely curious to see how I'll run and how everything goes. I was going to say, are you going to take a chip from Planet Hollywood as a souvenir? I am now. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but... Yeah, maybe. Well, I guess the chips are just the same, really. Because, I mean, the casino's not loot going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. So, but I, I might just in case. I don't know. I, I might, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you raise a fair point. Didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be more slot machines and table games. And uh, poker just won't be there. <laughs> All right, well, I guess at that Trooper game, I wonder if you'll end up getting felted by Old Man Coffee. God, Old Man Coffee. <laughs> I, you know, when I, you laugh, but man, when I'm, when I'm that age, 
I hope I'm running running around like old man coffee. So, hundred percent. I mean, this dude, this is the, that dude gives me hope. I might be going there mostly for old man coffee. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, you finally get to meet him. That'd be kind of cool if you actually didn't get to bump into him. Yeah. So hopefully, I meet a couple. Yeah, it'll be uh being. I've never played at the Westgate, so I don't think it's it's not known for its poker room. It's known for its sports book, but it still crosses another one off the list. I mean, you like sports betting, so yeah. But, yeah, I guess so. We should have a ton of stories um, about the Vegas trip when we come back next week. Well, I, hopefully to make it that entertaining. I'm hoping it gets that entertaining. <laughs> I will right. be playing a lot of poker. I do know that for a fact. <laughs> and hopefully not set over set over set like last time we were in Vegas. Oh, God, that was that was brutal. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that later, uh, maybe next week. But this week, this is episode 13. This is the Texas Poker Podcast. We're out. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.